being with us today, and uh, pray that God's blessings are just bubbling over in your life. You are continuing to grow and increase. And um, hopefully you have a gift, bath, gift bag with uh, some things in there that we put in there for you, all of our guests. And uh, if you're a returning guest, you've never received one of our little books. There's a book that we give away, Four of the Most Wonderful Things Jesus Has Provided for You. And um, make sure you receive one of those as a guest if you've never received one. They will... Uh, our ushers or greeters will have those, all right, and they'll place one in your hand. I'm excited today for our uh, church in Frankfort, Kentucky. They opened back up today for a grand reopening, and uh, it's just awesome how the Lord works. Uh, Dad had said last week the Lord, well, the week and a half ago, the Lord gave him the green light to go and open up on the 10th. And uh, so everybody's word, you know, not everybody, but other people, they're going to be defiant against the governor and everything. Well, it turns out on on the on the ninth or the seventh, whenever it was, the governor's order got overturned by a judge. And the judge told everybody to go back to church on the tenth. Amen. Now we know most people won't, but they can. Praise God. And that's how it is for us. Many people across the city won't, but they can. They can, and I'm glad that you all continue to come. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we're not, let me just speak for, the, for our members who may be home. We have people who are home. They're taking care of people. And so please don't be sitting there judging people about why, why are they coming to church. Uh, there, there's some circumstances you probably aren't aware of, so leave them alone. Okay, uh, when, when, when David and his men had to go fight a battle, they left some guys behind and said, you know, they were, they were too tired and said, well, y'all just stay and take care of the stuff. We'll go fight the battle. Amen. So sometimes people have to stay home and take care of the stuff. Might mean other people. And so um, we'll go to battle. We'll praise on their behalf. We'll release our faith on their behalf. Amen? Praise God. Now, the pastors, I can't speak for the pastors. I don't know. <laughs> Still have my Bible buyback program. Still willing to offer every pastor a quarter for his Bible. Maybe I'll give you 50 cents. One thing that's sad, me, my wife and I watched a video the other day from a pastor here in St. Pete, and uh, I'm going to call his name. He's uh, uh, Pastor Clarence Williams from Mount Zion AME, and he, he gave an awesome, awesome, awesome talk about going to church. Awesome. I mean, we were like, you know, and we'll probably still do it. I, she's gone, but, you know, we're going to sow a seed and send him a seed. Because he, he, he defended why we need to be in church. But he was defending it to his own church members who were upset that he went to church. And he went through a little history lesson to talk about why, how, how in the most critical times in, in history, the church has always been the one that opened. He, he taught me things I didn't know. He talked about how in the war, and Gershom, you may have to verify this, he said even in war, 
chaplains go out on the battlefield in the wartime. He said, chaplains, they're, they're out there with, they're with no weapons, but they know that you need chaplains in wartime. <laughs> in the roughest times in history, you need people, you need the church open. And so um, he, he, he defended that, and I thought, man, that, that's, that's one of the most profound uh, messages. I've, it, what, this wasn't his message. He had already preached. This was him sitting down talking to his members. I was like, that was profound. That was profound. Shocking, but profound. And uh, we have to be open. We have to be open. Never cross our minds to not be open. Because people are hurting, they're dying, they're struggling, they're upset, they're confused. And um, where else are they going to turn to but the church? You can't turn to the world. The world's confused even more than they are. Amen? Amen? But I'm glad we're here. Speaking of prayer, we have a prayer line here at our church and that uh, we have prayer counselors that are standing by, uh, ready to answer people's calls. And so if you're watching online, you want a prayer, you want to have somebody pray with you, our number is 727-893-8888. And uh, people will pray for you, pray with you, and uh, God will answer prayer. Amen? Amen? All right, let's get cranking here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Happy Mother's Day again to everybody. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Everybody have it? Okay, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. All together, ready, read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, of a sound mind. In verse 5 again, uh, he said, uh, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded, is in you also. Today I want to talk on a subject, a simple subject, generational faith. Generational faith. Father God, today we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I ask you, Father, Lord, for clarity. I ask you, Lord, today for boldness. I ask you today, Lord, for accuracy. I ask you today for excellence, Father, as I minister the word of God to your people. And I ask, Father, that every ear would be open, every eye would be open, every heart would be opened by you, O Lord to hear, to see, and to understand and receive the word of God that you send today. Father, let this word get planted deep into our hearts, and I pray that it, it pulls out the response that you're looking for, that we'll uh, firm up our foundation in the faith and make sure, Father, that the generations to come know that this is the way and we're to walk in it. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, generational 
faith. Many Christians are familiar with uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, right? You hear people all over the country and throughout the world quoting that, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. There's songs that's been written about that. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the Lord has given us power, power. All right. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given unto us the spirit of love, the spirit of power, and the sound mind. Y'all don't know that one. I'm 48. So, uh, <laughs> so people know this. Preachers preach it. You know, you'll see one of the biggest, uh, one, one, one big uh, quote you'll see all the time is faith over fear. And people will say, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yet, most Christians, most Christians, all the world, but most Christians believe that a little fear is healthy. How many of you ever heard it before? People believe a little, it's, it's, you know, it's all right to have a little bit of fear. You know, you got, well, you're going to need to fear electricity. No, you don't need to fear electricity. You need to respect it. There's a difference between fearing and respecting. I, re, I respect electricity, Elder, Elder Jeff. <laughs> but I don't fear it. I know what it can do, so I respect it. I, I know my level. I know what's above my level because I respect it. So if you think a little bit of fear is healthy, you're setting us, yourself up for danger. I can tell by the way y'all looking. A little fear, y'all look at me, a little fear is going to set you up for some trouble. Because if you tolerate fear, you open the door to the spirit of fear. In fact, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, I wanted to switch to the King James version for me, please, real quick. Because the King James uses a different word here. It says, for God has not given us, in the, in the King James, well, they'll, they'll get it, the spirit of fear. The, the. Now, the is a definite article. Am I right, Ms. Adrian? It's a definite article, which means that this, this is, there's one. There's a specific spirit of fear, which lets me know it's, it's an actual spirit. You got it? So God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you look at even older translations, the Dewey Rames and uh, Wycliffe and different older translations, they all use the word the as opposed to a. That's important. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, and it doesn't come from God, so we know who it does come from. Satan, right? So what happens is if I tolerate fear in the slightest bit, I open the door for the spirit of fear. You all with me on this? Um, how many ever heard of the spirit of heaviness? 
right, the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says he's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So the spirit of heaviness is an actual spirit. Now, what opens the door to the spirit of heaviness? You don't just have the spirit of heaviness first. It's grief. Somebody passes away or you lose a job and you're sad and you don't get over it quick enough. You let it linger. You stay with it too long. Y'all hear me? Y'all listening? Now, I'm, I'm laying something out for you today now. If you stay with sadness too long, you open yourself up to the spirit of heaviness. That's how people end up depressed over something that was supposed to just be, okay, passing through. Now they have the spirit of heaviness that begins to run their lives. Okay? So that's why he says he has to give us, the Bible doesn't say he gives the garment of praise for sadness. He didn't give the garment of praise for grief. No, he says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So, so this is something that begins to operate in a person's life because they've opened a door. How many ever heard of the spirit of infirmity? Yes. The spirit of infirmity. Um, that woman over in Luke 13, remember she had that spirit for 18 years, yes. right? Yes. And that spirit of infirmity, how do you get the spirit of infirmity? It, he doesn't just come in. It's because you get a little sickness <clears throat> and you tolerate it. And you begin to think that sickness is normal. When you think sickness was just natural because I'm a human being on this planet. Uh, no, you're not. I said, no, you're not. Not anymore. Second Corinthians 5.16 says we don't regard any man after the flesh anymore. Not even yourself. Are y'all listening to me today? So... If I begin to tolerate sickness or pain or disease and act like, well, it's just normal. You know, I just, you know, it just, everybody got to go through something. Then when you do that, you open yourself up now to the spirit of infirmity. Because see, here, oh God, I don't want to get on a soapbox. But here's what people understand, that every inch you give up to the devil, he's going to take a mile. <laughs> if he knows you're going to tolerate a little sickness... He said, oh, oh, you okay with that? Now I'm going to release the spirit on you. Now in Luke, give me Luke 13 uh, around, ver around verse 11. Luke 13, give me around, around verse 11. Verse 11. Glory to God. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, how long? And was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now, why could she not raise herself up? Because she's under the control of the spirit of infirmity. Are you seeing this? She wasn't just sick now. I understand. I'm not telling you that because you're a believer, you're never going to encounter sickness. Y'all let me know when y'all wake up. Are y'all up? I'm not telling you as a believer you're never going to encounter sickness. But you're not meant to tolerate sickness and accept sickness as a part of your life. If you accept it as a part of your life and you don't ever fight against it, and I don't mean taking medicine. Oh, let me help you here. I don't mean taking medicine because taking medicine doesn't, doesn't kill the sickness. 
It just shuts off signals. Y'all don't want to hear this. It doesn't, there's nothing that, in, that they created in the world to this day that can heal anything. Any medical professional will tell you that. They can't heal anything. They only treat. And they're practicing. So if this don't work, we'll try this. If this don't help, we'll try this. If this don't help, we'll try this. Then we'll go over here and whatever, what happened, we try this and this comes out. And now we got to give you this over here because that messed up this over here. Well, we wouldn't think about that and we didn't know that you were going to have this effect here. So what happens if you tolerate that, you make way for the spirit of infirmity. And because the spirit of infirmity was operating, the Bible says she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Why? She's under the control of the spirit of infirmity. Which means, now watch this. This this, this going this to really mess up your Sunday school. This was not a physical issue anymore. The Spirit's controlling her. <laughs> Physically, she, she, didn't, she didn't even realize she could have stood up. Because when the Bible, when Jesus dealt with her, he didn't say, woman, be healed. Oh, y'all don't know your Bible, do you? He didn't say, woman, you are, you are healed. He said, woman, be loose from your infirmity, the spirit of infirmity. He got rid of the spirit. She stood up. Oh, man. He got rid of the spirit and she stood up. <laughs> Glory to God. People got mad. This just, I don't make sure I got all the, I want to do it all y'all doctrinally correct people. People got mad and he said, hey, shouldn't this woman who's been, you know, under this thing for 18 years, bound by Satan? Go down there, go to like verse 18 or somewhere around there. Verse, give me, go, go to, I'm, I'm guessing. Give me verse 18. Is it 16? Give me 16. Verse 16. Verse 16. Sought this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound. He didn't say she was sick 18 years. He says Satan bound her 18 years. I didn't mean to stay this long, but y'all act like you don't want to hear it, so I better tell it. Satan has bound her 18 years. Didn't say she was sick 18 years. Says Satan has bound her 18 years. That means physically what, that wasn't an issue any longer. It's a spiritual issue. And now here she is. She's been loosed from this bond, not from this sickness, from this bond. She was under the control of the spirit of infirmity. Now let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the, King James, spirit of fear. So I told you, if you tolerate fear... On any level, at any moment, for any, any length of time, you open yourself up to the spirit of fear. And what happens when you open yourself up to the spirit of fear, now the spirit of fear, just like that spirit of infirmity controlled that woman, the spirit of fear is in control. It's not just fear, it's the spirit of fear in control. Oh, man. When the spirit of fear is at work in people, 
they are no longer in control. When the spirit of fear is at work in people, they are no longer in control. <laughs> Come on now. You know this is true. Because, Laquanda, you want to ask the people. I ran into a lady the other day, and uh, I, was, I was visiting a family member. I was visiting a family member, D, and uh, blessing somebody for their birthday. And uh, I had to stay six feet away, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. I understand. I understand. I'm not, you know, whatever. And then a lady was with her. She told me she was going to visit our church. You know, she said, she said, oh, you still pass that church? Yeah. She said, well, as soon as the doors of the church open, I'm going to visit your church. I said, I said, we never close. She had like she never heard what I said. <laughs> hey, hey, we never close. She just went right on by her. Now, I understand that now. See, I didn't, I didn't understand it before, before Wednesday. Sister Liz shared that thing. See, I, I wasn't getting it. I was just thinking people are in fear. But now I understood. No, no. As I studied this, it's a spirit of fear. See, because the spirit of fear controls you. The spirit of fear tells you it's okay to go to the grocery store. No, I'm going to the grocery store because I need it. The spirit of fear told you it's okay to go there. The spirit of see, you only go where the spirit of fear lets you go. You think you control. The spirit of fear is in control. And the spirit of fear is letting you go to the grocery store, but the spirit of fear won't let you go to church and get around faith. He won't let you get around some believers who are going to slap you upside your head and say, get with the program, man. He won't let you. Well, I'm just staying home because I'm being cautious. No, the spirit of fear won't let you go to church. The spirit of fear will, will let you order Uber Eats, but won't let you uh, uh, have your own family visit your house. The spirit of fear doing it. Well, I'm being cautious, though. The spirit of fear is controlling you. See, when a spirit, well, I'm a Christian, I can't have that, that you ain't supposed to. But when you open yourself up to fear, see, if that's the case, then a Christian shouldn't ever be open to the spirit of pornography. And you and I all know that Christians, why? You just open yourself up to it. You just, I'm not talking about demon possession, but if you, come, if you let them get in there, spirit of rage. Christians shouldn't have no rage. We got the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. We got all that kind of stuff going on. Spirit of rage and Christians, Christians fighting and cussing, all that kind of stuff. How? How? Because they opened, opened up, somebody offended them, and they just, they, they just wouldn't let it go. I just ain't going to let it go. I ain't going to let it go. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And when you did that, you opened yourself up to the spirit of rage. So now the spirit of rage controls you. Are you seeing what I'm saying to you? So it is highly possible, and this is what's happening to pastors. The spirit of fear. They're not just, they're not just in fear. It's the spirit of fear is controlling them. <laughs> Faith leads people. 
But fear drives people. See, faith leads. Why are you going to church? Faith led me to church. Faith didn't drive me to come here today. Faith led me here. Faith led me. Oh, and oh, y'all just coming. Y'all just have the church because you need, you, need, you need to pay your mortgage. We don't have no mortgage. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a mortgage. You need to pay your rent. We don't have any rent. Y'all, y'all just trying to get people offerings. We don't need people offerings. If we shut down for the next six months, we'll be okay. Just not without even thinking about it. Now, you can't do that, but we can do that. It was a long time ago God got us out of debt. And I don't just mean the church. I mean personally. You just having church, you need people to bring money so you can, you can eat. No, we good. We got to do that a long time ago, too. This ain't about that. Faith has led us to come. But fear drives people. Drives people to go panic by everything. Fear drives people to buy all the tissue they can get their hands on, all the meat they can get their hands on, all the eggs they can get their hands on, all the wipes they can get their hands on. Fear driving them to do that. Oh my God, I gotta get down there to the store. Now, fear drove you to the store, but your faith wouldn't lead you to church. See? So, what fear, remember, is the spirit of fear. He's gonna drive people to panic by, he's gonna drive people to cut off connections. He's going to drive people. Now watch. Here's the thing about fear. Is everything the spirit of fear does is counterproductive. In other words, you, you, you get in fear because you're trying to avoid something, but everything he makes you do is going to bring that thing you're trying to avoid right into your... So the spirit of fear, watch this. So the spirit of fear has everybody masking up. Now, I'm not against masks. If you want to wear a mask, matter of fact, we, if you want to wear a mask and come to church, come to church. Just, just put your, we, we have masks. We got masks in the back, gloves in the back. We got wipes in the back. We got everything you need. We ready for anybody. Whatever level of faith you're at, we'll, we'll take it. Come on. Come to church. Come on. You can, you can wipe everything down. You can, we got Lysol. You can spray everything. You can spray it over. We got all that stuff. We, we ready. But I learned the other day, because this, this made sense to me a long time ago when these masks, everybody started wearing these masks. And finally, I think you brought it up uh, Wednesday in prayer about this issue called hypoxia. I'd never heard of hypoxia. And I said, well, what is that? They said, hypoxia, they explain, is what happens when you wear these masks all the time. So hypoxia uh, is caused by you, because we, we have a respiratory system. I remember I told you that several weeks ago? which is meant for you to breathe out, get rid of stuff. You breathe in oxygen, you breathe out carbon dioxide. The trees are supposed to take that carbon dioxide, clean it all up, and put oxygen back in the air, and you breathe that back in. But when you cover yourself up, nose and mouth, all that, not like that, you're breathing out carbon dioxide and breathing it right back in.
Now, we already know carbon monoxide will kill you dead. Right, I, I'm, I know it. Carbon monoxide will kill you dead. But carbon dioxide begins to mess with your senses and mess with your brain. You, you start feeling loopy, you start feeling confused. They said diox or hypoxia also causes shortness of breath. You know why? Because you, you can't breathe deep through your nose. Try, try breathing deep through your nose. You can't do it. To breathe deeply, which you need to breathe deeply every, every few minutes, you need to take a deep breath every few minutes, you have to have your mouth uncovered. So people are now, by the spirit of fear, being controlled to wear masks 24-7 in their own cars, by themselves, on a bicycle, down the street, and nobody within 400 yards of them, and they're wearing masks all day long, and they're getting loopy. Shortness of breath, shortness of breath, oh my God, oh my God. They, they said that's a, that's a symptom of, of COVID. It's not. That's your hypoxia, fool. That's not COVID. But they made, they made new COVID system symptoms. They have a new list of COVID symptoms which are identical to hypoxia. So people wearing the mask all of a sudden, now they think, I might have COVID. No, you have hypoxia. Take your mask off and breathe. I'm trying. I'm trying to educate the people of God. But what my point is, Spirit of fear makes you do things that are counterproductive. He'll lead you to drink. He'll lead you to do drugs now. Because now I can't figure out how I'm going to get by. I don't know what. He'll lead, he'll lead you to, to anger and rage and fight people. Have we been seeing this in this time? He'll lead you to murder people. And he'll lead you eventually to suicide. Because that's his end goal, to still kill and destroy. Driving people to madness and confusion. Confusion. One of the symptoms of hypoxia. Got people doing it to themselves. Ooh-wee. Yeah, you start crying. Well, no, because you're, you're not processing stuff anymore. Take off your mask. Breathe. It's going to be all right. Breathe the breath of life. God breathed into man the breath of life. Could you imagine if Adam had a mask on? God couldn't breathe no breath of life in him. Faith leads, fear drives. This is what happened in Job 3. 25 and 26, I want to put on the screen in the God's Word translation. Job 3, 25, 26 in the God's Word translation says this. What I fear most overtakes me. Overtakes me. Because it's a spirit of fear. Overtakes me. What I dread happens to me. I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest. And trouble keeps coming. Are y'all hearing this? This is what's happening. Now, so we cannot allow fear on any level. 
Did y'all catch what I just, I just spent that whole 20 minutes telling you about that. Because if you have a little bit of fear, Shantae, the spirit of fear gets an open door. You said don't be cautious. I'm saying don't let fear drive you. If you're going to stay home, you better stay home by faith. Which means God told you to. If you're going to go have surgery, have surgery by faith. Not by fear. We cannot allow fear to damage or destroy our foundation of faith. We cannot allow fear to damage or destroy our foundation of faith. Psalm 11 verse 3 says this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If your foundation is destroyed, what you going to do? So what the devil is attacking, Tony, is the foundation of faith. Just a little bit of fear, just a little bit of fear. Yeah, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. But the spirit of fear controls you. He controls you. And if you're always looking around, paranoia, you got to sit with your back to the window, to the wall. You got to make sure I'm facing the right direction because... You don't never know who's going to walk in here. What, you got a bounty on your head or something you don't want to know about? Uh, let, 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 me, let me move away from you. I mean, if you got, if you got that kind of thing going on, now. <laughs> All right, so foundations are necessary. We, remember we taught that Jesus Christ is sure foundation? So you got to have that. Now, the most essential foundation that we need is faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, let's go back to 2 Timothy, please, chapter 1. Hallelujah. Have y'all been helped already? Yes, this is already worth a quarter already so far? It's worth a quarter. Okay. So don't let the fear get in there because spirit of fear is going is to control you. Okay? Now, back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to look at verse 2. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, a beloved son. I like that when it says beloved son, because you can have a son not beloved. <laughs> right? A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is grief to his mother. Shame to the moment. Oh. Yeah, that's my child. <laughs> but a wise son makes a glad father. Amen? And a glad mother, too. Okay? Now, verse 2 says, Timothy, beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to bring out to you just real quick. That grace, mercy, and peace can only come from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why he said that. Grace, mercy, and peace from 
not this world's, but from God and Christ Jesus. So if you want grace, you want mercy, if you want peace, you can't get it from anybody else but God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Got it? Okay, now let's, let's move on here. Okay, now look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. This is the gist of what we're going to deal with today. Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with what? As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. I want to look at this part here. He says, I thank God whom I serve. But, yeah, with a pure conscience, I'll deal with that in a moment. But whom I serve as my forefathers did. Now, you remember my topic today is what? Generational faith. So he says, God, whom I serve as my forefathers did. Generational faith. So Paul had a concept of how his forefathers served God. And he said, I serve God the same way my forefathers did. I'm talking about generational faith here. So Paul remembered how his forefathers, he's thinking about Abraham, he's thinking about Isaac, thinking about Jacob, thinking about David, thinking about uh, Joseph. He's thinking about how Elijah and how Elijah, how these men served God. So he says, I serve God in the same way that my forefathers did. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 28, it says, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. So it, that means that fathers, and if you allow this mothers, I know there's mothers there and y'all don't want to be left out, but uh, generations are supposed to leave landmarks. Now what is the purpose of a landmark? To show you how to get back to somewhere. So the Bible says, don't remove the ancient landmark which your fathers, oh my God, have set. Now that means our fathers have set some landmarks. Our fathers have showed us this is the way, this is how things are done. Now what's happened is the church has been in, in its effort to be so contemporary, to be so relevant, has discarded what the fathers have set. This isn't your father's church anymore. We're going to do things in a, in a relevant way. And what's happening is, in man's attempt to be relevant, they have become irreverent to God and have left serving God and are now serving themselves. Y'all don't like that. Man, the, the big, the big, uh, the big uh, statement that, that came out many years ago was seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly, where everything was, was, was set around making things comfortable for sinners at church. Now, I thank God that sinners can come to church, but the church is not for sinners. Nah, y'all don't like that. We welcome sinners to church, but the church is not for sinners. It's y'all that y'all don't like it. The church is for the people of God. We welcome sinners to come in. But we don't adjust to them. Oh my God. They adjust to us. Even in the world they say when in Rome, 
do as the Romans do. So when in church, do as church folk do. But the church said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to come to church and do like the sinners do. What the what? What in the pinnacle is that? You What are you talking about? So thank God for sinners. Thank God for unsaved people coming to the church house. Thank God for it. But we can't move our ancient landmarks, which our fathers have said. Oh, we're not traditional. We got to be untraditional. And what people don't understand is every time you go untraditional, you just simply establish new traditions. And then when the next wave comes along, you establish other new traditions. So by the time you look up, by the time Jesus come, you're so far away from the ancient landmark, we don't, we don't even look like a church anymore. We don't want to look like a church. So we're not, we're not going to dress up anymore because we don't want to look like a church. And we're, we're not, we're not going to read the King James anymore because we don't want to look like a church. We don't, we're not gonna, and don't, don't put a steeple on the church because we don't want to look like a church. And we don't, we're going to make, make it look like a warehouse now. We're going to put all lights and cameras and action and everything because we don't, we don't want to look like a church. We want to be so casual and everything. It's coffee shop church now. Well, that's, I mean, that's wonderful. That's cute. That's cute. That's, that's wonderful. But you leave landmarks. Remove. And that's what, what the enemy does is he gets people to not just not see the landmark, to, but remove the landmark. So what happened to my wife this other day? I said, I'm watching preachers use the Bible to get rid of the Bible. They're going in, digging in scripture, finding scriptures to justify their new mentality, which is designed for them to get rid of the use of the Bible. I said, what in the Jiminy Cricket is going on around here that in the church now, we're, we're upending getting rid of the Bible? And we're going to philosophy and man's ideas and man's thoughts and man's, man's wisdom. And now we don't have to do this because, you know, now listen, I don't, it, it don't make me a difference whether you come dress a, a, you know, the church or not. You can, you can dress, you can dress down in your jeans and blue, whatever. That ain't going to bother me. But don't, don't tell me I'm not relevant. I mean, you're going to tell, you're going to tell, uh, um, Reggie Miller, he ain't relevant when he caught on a basketball game in a three-piece suit. Three-piece suit, that joke three-piece down. Caught on a basketball, just he caught on a basketball game. When Deion Sanders on the sideline in a three-piece, that ain't relevant. So, now listen, clothes ain't even the issue. Because now what's happened, Laura, is in this new modern age, the virtual church age. Now, now, well, we, listen, we don't need to assemble anymore. I thought I was going to finish all this today, Deacon. I'm not going to finish this today. I'm not. I can just tell by how this time set up. I'm not going to finish this today. So, 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 you know, now we don't need to assemble. The Bible says, forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is. But gather all the more as you see the day approaching, right? That's what the Bible says. Well, no, see, we can, we can, we can Zoom church now. We don't have to assemble now. Because they don't, that's, that's what they're going to use about, because it doesn't say where I got to gather. 
So I, I got to ask all the landmark removers. Well, we're going to virtually baptize now? We're going to virtually baptize. So I know we're going to do, we're we going we gonna, to we gonna rent a dunk tank from the carnival. We're going to rent a dunk tank from the carnival. You get inside of it, and we're going to stand back six feet, throw a pole at it, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, I missed it. Let's do it again. Maybe I'll do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he said, I served God as my forefathers did. Wonderful. Wonderful. How, so how, how are we going to do communion now? Oh, I know. Everybody get their own little cups and meet at your house. And we're going to do it all at the same time, uh, virtual, by, by the internet. You got to explain 1 Corinthians 11 to me then. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, when you come together, he said, it's not for the Lord's Supper. He says, he said, now, if, you, if you're going to be a, a drunk or, or, or eat or glutton, he said, do that at home. He said, you can do that at home. So he had a way to do that at home. He said, at home, you do your own thing, you glutton, you alcoholic. He said, but, but when we're going to have the Lord's Supper, he said, when you come together, Oh, but no, we don't need to do that anymore. So just throw the landmark away. Just move the landmark. I told my wife the other day, I said, I think we're going to start back giving the right hand of fellowship. Some of y'all, too, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Now, some of y'all, mom, come on, you know. You knew about the elder Rainey, you knew about the right hand of fellowship. You came join the church, I'm going to join the church by, by, by what y'all call it, the Baptist church, by, uh, by letter or by or Canada for baptism, Christian experience. Yeah, three ways you can join the church. That's wonderful. We only have one way. You got to be born again. Well, you can join by letter. Just write you a letter. I can get a letter, get in there. That, that's, that's like the credit union. Just get right on. It's, it's all right. No, I know, I know, I know. No, no. Now, that was wonderful what they did because they, they kept people accountable. You could just leave a church and go to the church and we don't find out, wait, what you did in that church? You might have been a hellion over there. Now you're going to come sing in our choir while all that hellion on the inside of you. You had to do a background check. They sure did. I, I, I did that. I ain't gonna lie. I had a few people come over here because they came over here liking leadership stuff. So I, I called their pastor. I sure did. And he called me, check them out. Because you ain't gonna come over here and make no stank over here. Let me make sure you're right. So we're gonna start. I'm gonna start that back. You go through ground school, finish ground school, we're gonna have you stand up. You used to have the stand up front right up here, and everybody come out in line. Welcome. 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 Glad to have you. 
Now that right hand of fellowship, how many of y'all know about the right hand of fellowship? That's scripture. Paul, Paul and Barnabas, he said, he said the, that, that James and John and Peter and all, all the prominent apostles, he said they gave us the right hand of fellowship, which means that now they were a partaker in the ministry. In fact, that word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, like partnership. In other words, a right hand of partnership, which, which when you join a church, you're saying we're partners, we're family. And it used to be, if you left the church, you had to come and get the right hand of this fellowship. You couldn't just leave. You had to come and let everybody know. Here's why I'm leaving. Oh, that's foolish. You ain't leaving. Oh, you got to alt with somebody? You ain't going to get that alt right? You better sit down here and bring you before the church. All right, let me move on. He said, so I serve as my forefathers did. What's my subject again today? So Paul could recall how his forefathers served God. And Paul said, I'm not changing that. I'm not changing my forefathers served God. It worked for them, it's going to work for me. Now his forefathers weren't even saved. His forefathers were under the law. He's now saved, no longer under the law. He said, but I still serve him as my forefathers did which means he didn't kill good traditions. Not all traditions are bad. Not all things the church did were bad. Sometimes in our attempt to be so culturally relevant and contemporary, we throw everything out. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The bathwater might be bad, but the baby all right. Y'all understand that's colloquialism. I ain't going to bring up, greet that brother with a holy kiss. Oh, but that's right. You can kiss online right now. Can't you do a little emoji? You can do a little kiss emoji. A little heart. So I serve as my forefathers did. So ask me in my house. We we going back the old time way. All the saints got together and praised the Lord all day. That's how the song went. Let us all let us all go back to the old to the old time way. All the saints got together. Got together. All right now, he says, "Whom I serve with a pure conscience." Everybody say a pure conscience. Now, a pure conscience, Oscar, comes from righteousness. Knowing you're in right standing with God, a pure conscience. He says, whom I serve with a pure conscience. Now, Paul did some dirt. Y'all didn't hear me. Paul did some dirt. Paul used to go in dragging folk out of church. Walk in, bust the first usher in the mouth, bam! <laughs> Haul all people to, to, to prison. Paul was a witness. He consented to Deacon Stephen being murdered. But he said here, whom I serve with a pure conscience. 
which meant he understood the power of being forgiven and being washed and being placed in right standing with God. He understood the gift of righteousness. So the only way you can have a pure conscience is to understand your righteousness. Now, here, that's important. That's important now, Steve, because uh, let's look at Romans 1 and 17. Because Romans 1, 17 tells me that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So the reason why many people can't get over their old lives or can't escape their old lives or can't escape their corruption is because they're not, they don't have a pure conscience yet. In fact, the, many, the reason why many people can't get answers from God, can't get a breakthrough, can't get a healing, can't get a manifestation, can't get prosperity work is because they don't have a pure conscience. It's not because God doesn't want to bless you. Not because God doesn't want to heal you. It's not, 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 not because God doesn't like you. It's because you don't have a pure conscience. And you can't approach God without a pure conscience. If your heart condemns you, it's hard. You got to stand before God knowing he's made you clean. Oh, who am I talking to here? Knowing he's made you right. Knowing he has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That Jesus Christ took your sin. He took it. I said he took it. And then gave you his righteousness. So you are right now. And you are now and forever in right standing with God. And you cannot do anything to become more righteous than you are now. You're as righteous as Jesus. I don't care who you used to be. I don't care who you used to be. I don't care where you used to go, what you used to do. I don't care how bad it was, it doesn't matter, all that kind of stuff. Once you come to God, 1 John 1, 9 says, that if you confess your sins, this is talking to believers, to believers. This is a believer who messes up. Any believers here ever messed up? Any of y'all ever had to use 1 John 1, 9? Let me go ahead and get 1 John 1, 9. Open up real quick. Lord, let me use this here. I knew I blew it. I knew I blew it. I knew I blew it. Your word says to me, Father God, that if I confess my sins to you, then you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, which means now I can once again, Michelle, have a pure conscience. Oh, y'all better shout about that. Because people right now don't know they have a pure conscience. And when your conscience is, is not pure, you begin to self-destruct. How I know? Just ask Judas. Judas, who betrayed Jesus Christ, sold him for silver, and then went back, once he had this regret in his heart, realized what he had done, went back, tried to give all the money back to the, to the chief priests and so forth, and they would take it back, they said, no, that's on you. He threw it down. He, he, he went, no, they threw it down to him. He went and took it and bought a field. Why? His conscience was never made pure. He didn't realize that if he had gone to Jesus, 
If he had gone to Jesus, he would have forgiven him. Jesus would have forgiven him. Judah doesn't have to go out like that. After the resurrection, Jesus goes to Peter, who did just as bad. Jesus, Jesus paid for Peter a hotel room for three and a half years. He paid for all Peter's food, his travel, his lodging for three and a half years. I mean, took care of him, gave him a prominent place in ministry. Jesus, he let Peter see him in all his glory on the Mount of Transformation. Took Peter into places that nine other disciples didn't even get to go in. And came out of time, Peter act like he didn't even know the man. Who that? Jesus? Who that? Who that is? I don't know no Jesus. Blankety blank. I don't know no Jesus. And yet after the resurrection, Jesus right, went right to him. To restore him. That's why Peter could then go up there in the upper room and lead the people because he's leading now from a pure conscience. Oh, somebody ought to rejoice right now. Oh, I may have done that, but I have been forgiven, I have been washed. I have been sanctified, I have been justified, I have been cleansed, and I now have a pure conscience before God. That's what the Bible says in Romans 5.17, a gift of righteousness. So he said, God whom I serve, 2 Timothy 1, with a pure conscience. With a pure conscience. Now, let me take a few more minutes here. I'm trying to get as far as I can today. So I need a pure conscience. Everybody say a pure conscience. That's, that's righteousness. Now, I showed you in Romans 1.17. In fact, let's go back to Romans 1.17. This time, give me the Amplified Bible, please. Give me Amplified. Because I want you to see this about why, why faith is important to this. Because I'm talking about generational faith. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes, not the righteousness you go get yourself, it's the righteousness that God ascribes is revealed. Is revealed. So this is a revelation of righteousness. Understand, you know most Christians have no idea about their righteousness. They know they're Christians. They know that they're believers, but they don't understand their righteousness, and you can't get anything done without understanding that. I'm going to teach on that a little more. He says, now watch this. It's revealed both springing I'm trying to contain myself. Both springing from faith and leading to faith. So to get a righteousness revelation, you got to have at least a foundation in faith. And that revelation then springs you to another level of faith. So we know we, the Bible says we go from faith to faith. This is the same verse. King James, New King James, they all say from faith to faith. Amplified is telling us how that works. It's from springing from faith and leading to faith or a higher level of faith disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. 
Are you saying this? So when I get, when I have faith, and I understand then righteousness, it stirs up more faith. And the more faith is stirred up, the more revelation of righteousness I get. And the more revelation I get, the more faith gets stirred up. So all of a sudden, thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> so here it is, I come in, I come in born again. Brand new, Marcus. New born again believer. I don't even understand I've been made righteous. I don't even know what I have. I have no clue what I have. I just know I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. But remember, he gave me, according to Romans 12, 3, a measure of faith. That's how I got saved, that measure of faith, right? So then, thank you, Lord. And Ephesians 2, 8 talks about that. By faith we're saved, right? By grace we're saved through faith. Now, so then, here I am. I have this measure of faith in me, and I get around righteousness teaching. That's why you ought to be glad you're around righteousness teaching. Because I begin to understand my righteousness, Chris. I begin to understand who I am who I am. Now all of a sudden I move from just going to heaven, I begin to understand, wait a minute, through righteousness I can be uh, I'm a child of God. Through righteousness I understand I'm a son or a daughter of God. I begin to understand, wait a minute, oh, he didn't just save me to take me to heaven, he saved me to bring heaven to earth. So I understand by my righteousness now, my faith is being built up, I understand, wait a minute, I can be healed? I can be delivered. I can be set free. I can prosper. I can have a good marriage. I can have Holy Ghost filled children. I get stirred up more and more and more and more. And every time, every time I get I receive, I get a greater revelation of my righteousness. I'm in the right standing with God. Can I tell y'all something? Can I just tell y'all a secret? I'm sitting here last Sunday, and brother, brother Barry comes up. He'll make this presentation. I have no clue. I have no clue what he's, what he's doing. I'm thinking he's about to sing a song or something. I'm hoping he's going I'm, I'm, I'm to sing a song. And he comes up, and he does all this whole talk. And he didn't know the kind of battle going on in me. Because of my desire to please God. I mean, I'm, you know, you ever hear the, the, the saying, uh, I'm running trying to make 100? Yeah. 99 and a half won't do. And so in me, I know, I know that God made me 100, you know, in mental ascent. But in your soul, I feel like I'm, you God, I'm, I'm just, I want to please you. I want to, ah, God. So when, when the Lord, comes along and uses Barry to, to, to do what, what you all did last Sunday. And maybe while he's talking, I broke down. I, I tried to take it on. I, I couldn't take it. Because what's happening is to me, he's saying, you're righteous, son. And I know it in here. But in here, I want to just always know God sees me as righteous. Anybody else in here just want to please the Lord? You want to be well-pleasing God? I, I, want, I want you to be well-pleased with me all the time. And it helps me to know it from time to time. When you give me an attaboy, a pat on the back or something, just tell me. Just let somebody preach it to me. I know I'm righteous. So that happens.
happens. And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. I told my wife this when I got home later on. I said, I said, why he's talking? And all of a sudden, no, we went to the park the next day. Walked to the park. And, and I'm sitting there. And I told her, I said, somewhere along the way, I realized what's about to happen. And all of a sudden, I said, God, I don't need anything. I told her, I said, I, I told God, God, I don't, we don't have a need in this world. But my need was to reassure me, you're righteous. Because <laughs> uh, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about money. We ain't go shopping. What, what are you going to buy? Ain't nothing, ain't nothing to buy. <laughs> we were walking down, down that day, we were walking in the park, like, ain't nothing I even want. The stuff I want, we, we need some major offers for that. I mean, I need buildings. I need buildings. You follow what I'm saying? But God so wants us to know our righteousness to have a pure conscience when we approach him. Now, the Lord had me stay here for a reason. I don't know why. Because this is even, even the gist of my message here. But I, somebody here needs to know that when you're going to approach God, see, my son, my natural son, my daughter's the same way. I'm just using my son because I'm, I'm a boy. I'm, you know, man to God. My son knows he's right in my sight. So, for him, there's nothing he can't do. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about in the sense that he, he know he can come jump in the bed. He never, he never knocks the door and say, Am I, are you all okay with me? Do y'all like me? Can I come in your room? Sometimes I wish you would. <laughs> but no, never. Goes in the refrigerator and eats whatever he wants to, even if it doesn't have his name on it, even if it's not his. He knows that's his sister food. Oh, my our Olivia had a hard day the other day. She had a hard day. Her baby brother went in and ate her food. And she didn't know it. Her, her covers ate her, ate her covers. And, and she didn't know it. She came out looking for it. And, and next thing you know, she crying. Like, why she, she not crying because cause there's other food in the house, but she knows she can't beat him no more. She can't. He too big. He, she can't fight him. Right? Manasseh, is that right? You know, at some point, your sister's going to realize they can't beat you no more. Once you get that big, I just. I'm talking about righteousness conscious here. So he said, whom I serve with a pure conscience. That pure conscience is based on faith. And so, Abraham, the Bible says, believed God and it was accounted to him. For righteousness. So when he says, I serve God, 
as my forefathers, he's recounting back to Abraham. Abraham believed God. He's counting him righteous. Jacob, or Isaac, righteous. Jacob, righteous before God. So he had a righteousness understanding deep based on now faith. See, because he's a Romans 1. He wrote Romans 1. He wrote Romans 10. Put up Romans 10 and verse 6. He says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. See, he talked about from verse 1 on, verse 1, Romans 10, he said, Brother, my, my prayer and heart's desire for Israel is that they may be, may be saved. A brethren record, they have gone about uh, not following God's righteousness, but have gone about to establish their own righteousness, right? They've not submitted to God's. So they're doing, he said, man's doing it their own way. But by the time you get to verse 6 here, he says, but the righteousness of faith, this is the kind of righteousness he has. Uh, faith speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Keep going. Give me, give me the next verse here. Verse 7. Who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ down from the dead? Keep going, please. Verse 8. Verse, now, this is Paul, how he gets righteousness. Y'all got this? Watch this. But what does it say? How does faith righteousness operate? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is... The word of faith. So I'm righteous by the word of faith. I speak it. He, what do you speak? Go to verse, verse 9. Verse 9, y'all know this. Everybody know this in the Romans roll. That if thou confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Give me verse 10. You got to have verse 10. For with the heart one believes. Abraham believed God. So counted him in righteousness. He says that with the heart, one believes in the righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So he learned this, Stephen, is I confess in my mouth, I believe in my heart, I'm righteous. And what he learned to do was every time anything came up, because the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil never forgot Paul's stuff. This is not even my message here. The devil never forgot Paul's stuff. And the devil's job is to remind Paul of everything he did. Anybody here like Paul like that? You just, you, the devil, just a few of y'all, the rest of y'all, he don't mess with y'all then. I know me. The devil is on constantly trying to remind me of all my stuff. Sometimes I realize, and some, sometimes he gets me. Because I find myself asking God to forgive me again. Some 25 years ago, God, please forgive me. I don't know why I was doing that. Lord, have mercy. I don't know why I was doing that. Why? The devil got to me. When I should have said, I'm forgiven of that. I've been cleansed from my unrighteousness. I am the righteousness of God. I have a pure conscience. This is so good here. Why I'm spending so much time on those few little words there? Somebody needs to hear this right here today. The Bible even says in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus will purge your conscience clean. Oh God, the blood of Jesus Christ will purge your conscience clean. See, and I'm telling you, you can't approach God, Gershom, with an impure conscience. 
you'll, you'll, you'll be like this before God, uh, sir. Um, um, if, if, you, if you hear me today, Father, I come before you as humbly as I know how. And, 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 how, and how they, they teach y'all to pray, I come as humbly as I know how. Just an old sinner saved by grace, filthy as rags before you, Lord. And I shouldn't even be in your presence, Lord. Just want to thank you, sir, for letting me come into your presence this morning. Thank you for my lying down last night and my early rising this morning. I'm so unworthy, Lord. I'm so unworthy. If that's how your forefathers served, don't serve that way. No, go back to your for, 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 forefathers. Abraham, you're not unworthy. Just, just tap your name and tell me you're not unworthy. That's the reason so many people got to come. I, I won't pass the prayer. I won't pass prayer for me because you know, pass and get a prayer through. That's an unworthy mentality. Now, I understand, I understand sometimes you want somebody to agree with you, but don't do it because they, you think they have a special, uh, a special inroads with God that you don't have. We have a high priest, Jesus. You understand that? So don't operate from an unworthy mentality. And see, if you do that, your children learn that. And they'll imitate and do exactly what you do. I'm going to just slap the devil upside his head right here. If, 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 you, if you skip church because you feel unworthy, what do you think they're going to do? I remember, I remember growing up and uh, Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday. People would, boy, they felt so impure, they gonna skip, I ain't going on Communion Sunday. because, Or if they came and here come the plate. You don't want, you, you want, you want Communion? It's still happening today. Well, you know, the Bible says, he that drinketh, eateth and drinketh unworthily shall be damned. Well, you don't have to eat and drink unworthily. Confess that sin to him. Let's just want to hold on to that sin. If you were holding that, I, would, I, I wouldn't lay my, eye, lay my head down and close my eyes at night if you're going to hold on to that sin now. You're going to go to sleep, but you're not going to take the communion? You better get that right. <laughs> oh, man. This is just my introduction. 
Pure consciences require genuine faith. Pure consciences require genuine faith. I want to give you something here, and I'll come back to it Wednesday. Okay? I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, and then I'll come back on Wednesday. Because I want you to understand the statement I just made. Pure consciences require genuine faith. The word genuine, I'm, I'm so glad, Carol, you're back today. I ain't seen you in a minute, and this, also I got a Greek word. I was like, she probably gonna be here today. This Greek word, anapokritos, anapokritos. It looked like Doritos or something. I don't know like, like Fritos. Anapokritos. I think that's how I heard them pronounce it. I I played the little button on the on the computer. But I, you know, this phonics in Greek don't work the same way as phonics in English. It's something different. But listen to what it means here. Unfeigned. In fact, if you have a King James Bible, it used the word unfeigned. Unfeigned faith. Unfeigned. Undisguised. Sincere. In other words, without dissimulation, or here's the big word, hypocrisy. Remember what I said. Genuine faith, oh, I'm sorry, pure consciences require genuine faith. Which means you can't be a hypocrite and have a pure conscience. I'm going to leave you at that. You can't be a hypocrite and have a pure conscience. It just don't happen. It can't happen. You know it. I want you to think back to a time. Don't, not, not, no, not anymore. Just think back to a time when you know you were being a hypocrite. Y'all looking like, like, not me, never. No, I want you to think back to a time you, not anybody else, you were being a hypocrite. I remember the time. Yeah, which one? I, I should say I remember the time frame. Not a particular event, the time frame. It was like a whole length of time. Being a hypocrite. And what happens is when you are a hypocrite, see, your soul knows the real deal. You can that means you're one way to people, but your soul knows the real deal. And it's torture. That's why the Bible even talks about, you know, don't, don't uh it says in Proverbs, I'm trying to quote it right, but it talks about not, not worrying about a murderer because a murderer's conscience is going to kill him. Murderer, his conscience is going to kill him. He's going to eventually give in because his conscience is just not, not going to let him sleep. That's why I think OJ. No, I'm just sure. I'm just sure. <laughs> I'm, just sure. I'm, I'm about to stir y'all up. I'm about to stir y'all up. Y'all, you leave OJ alone. Leave OJ alone. Just telling y'all, the man conscious wouldn't let him rest. His conscious wouldn't let him rest. A pure conscience requires 
genuine faith. Without hypocrisy. Which means, now, hypocrisy is you know something and you're pretending like it's not that. It's not, see, in, in the world they say, well, everybody in the church is a hypocrite. No, everybody in the church is not a hypocrite. Everybody in the church is overcoming stuff. Come on, anybody help me in here? We're not hypocrites, you're overcoming stuff. It, it will help you to say that. Say, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm overcoming stuff. I know, I know stuff isn't a, you know, SAT word. That's just the first thing that came to my mind. I'm overcoming stuff. But a hypocrite isn't trying to overcome. Hypocrites going to cover it. They're going to act like they all, they all this and all that, and they're not all this and not all that. And that person cannot have a pure conscience. Got it? So genuine, non-hypocritical faith will give you a pure conscience. Because I know that what I'm working on, what I'm overcoming, what I'm obtaining from, from the kingdom of God, everything I have, everything I'm doing, I'm doing it by faith. I'm not double-minded. I'm not being tossed to and fro. I'm not wavering. I'm sticking this thing out with God. I'm doing this thing God's way. And we shall overcome. <laughs> I will overcome. I will obtain. I will stop the mouth of lions. I will subdue kingdoms. We're going to do it by faith. Praise God. Man, I wish I had another hour and a half. Um, but I, I'll pick it up Wednesday night. Because um, I'm, I'm going to talk to y'all, don't come Wednesday. Come, you come Wednesday, come on. So I'm going to go back. Because I'm going I'm to show you this Wednesday night. That your faith heritage is more important than your ethnic heritage. African American, Irish American, Mexican American, Haitian American, thank God. Hey, that's it. Little patois on me. Creole. But what's more important than all that natural heritage is your faith heritage. Because I'm going to show you through scripture, that's what Timothy had. From Big Mama. <laughs> all the way down. Will y'all come back Wednesday night? All right, good. Come on, why don't you give God a hand of praise today for you to receive that word? Come on, give God a praise today in this place. Oh, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. We bless you, we honor you, we praise you, we adore you, Lord. We thank you for the word, thank you for the word, thank you for the word. It is our life, it is our strength, it is our light, it is our lamp. Thank you for the word, it is health to our flesh. Thank you for the word, it is reassuring, it is cleansing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, just praise right now. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, 
praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. In John 15, Jesus told the disciples, you are clean through the word that I've spoken to you. I believe it was in the heart of God today to set somebody's heart, to get somebody's heart clean. Because God so wants to bless you. God so wants to raise you up. I mean, you, I don't think you and I will ever understand fully how much God wants to, I mean, just... Do you know when God sent Adam away out of the garden? I want you to imagine how much that hurt God's heart. I'd imagine that God just turned over on his throne just crying. You understand that? God. God loves us so much. I mean, to the point the devil was like, what is man that you're mindful of him like this? What is this? Why are you act like this around my man? So God, see, the Bible says he is righteous. So you can't fellowship with God even without a righteousness understanding. You ever have people that you want to, you know, you, you, you look at them like, like you, you don't even know how you can connect. You don't see a way to even connect talking with them, you know what I mean? Like we don't even talk on the same level, you know, like, I don't know. Okay. Well, God, to talk on his level, you got to talk righteousness. To hang out with him and fellowship with him, it's only done in righteousness. It's a pure conscience. That's why he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you because he wants you. Hey, let's get that done right away so we can fellowship. He's not going to hold any things over you. Well, let me think about it. I don't know. That was pretty bad what you did this time. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of you. That ain't God. That ain't God. Hallelujah. He's faithful yes. and just. Right away, he's like, let's get that right because I want to reconnect. I want to, I want to, let's hang out. Let's talk. You understand that? Pure conscience before God. As we, as I close, I was, the scriptures came to my heart. I'm going to read straight through it. Just hear it. In Psalm 19, verse 7 through 14. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 14. I want you to hear this. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord. When I, whenever I see law, commandment, things, I'm going to just say the word, okay? So the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The words of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The word of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, word of the words of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, yea, than fine, much fine gold. Sweet also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them or by your words, your, wervent, your servant rather is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. I'm going to keep going. Now watch this. Who can understand his errors? This is your, me, my own errors. Who can understand his errors or his own errors? Now watch this. Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Some sins, some faults, some things. said, I'm not going to let that have dominion over me anymore. Then I shall be blameless. What? He's talking about secret faults and presumptuous sins. Boy, y'all better catch what this is saying. Though. Secret faults and presumptuous sins. But he says, soon as, Lord, you, you, you get these things off of me, he says, I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Innocent. <laughs> now, once you're blameless, and innocent, now watch verse 14. Everybody in church knows this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Can you accept that today? That God wants to make sure you're blameless and innocent so you can serve him with a pure conscience as our forefathers did. Praise the Lord. If you're in this house today and you're not born again, I want to give you the chance to be born again. Somebody here today, you're, maybe you've been in church a while. Maybe you've been around church, grew up in church. Maybe that's your first time here. You're not born again. I want to make sure today you get born again. The devil is going to do his level best to keep you trapped in darkness to keep you trapped where the sins of your past 